and welcome to an American Scouser podcast. Uh, I'm Timuchin, your host today, and I'm joined by our Irish force. Uh, we have Jamie with us. Uh, how's it going, Jamie? Not too bad, mate. And Chris Strain is also with us. What's going on, Chris? Uh, it's, it's all good, man. Just crazy. And a lot to get to, kind of like a busy week and a busy weekend coming up. So let's get started right away with uh, the Champions League game. <laughs> uh, we'll start with you, Jamie. I mean, obviously, it's in terms of score, it's kind of what we wanted, what we needed. Clean sheet, obviously, would have been nice. We can thank thank Lauren for that, I guess. But um, what did you think overall of the game in terms of our play? Uh, I mean, we'll go back to the individuals, and we're probably like, you know, there's a couple obviously to kind of like focus on. But uh, what did you think overall in terms of like the gameplay? Overall. Um... Definitely, I've, I mean, we can be as harsh as we want. We're we're uh, searching for perfection, <laughs> but uh, you know, even Klopp said himself, there there was things to be worked on there. Um, it impressed me to see the new guys in midfield. Um, that was always um, a, a good debatable topic there, but um, overall, uh, a decent performance to. A much smaller club, I believe, Genk are like sixth or something in Belgium. But um, from the from the very first minute, I I was optimistic because basically of Nabi Kaida's pass off his back <laughs> in the in the first ten seconds. That was sweet. That was unbelievable. Uh, Ronaldinho esque, you know. But um, yeah, I was impressed. Uh, quietly expecting it, but I was still impressed. I think that's part of the deal. Like we, I mean, apart from being away, and obviously our form is not very good in away Champions League games in the group stage. It wasn't last year either. But and on paper, it looked like an easier game based on some of the scores. But you always forget that this is. I mean, Napoli could only get a point out of here, and they tied zero zero, and you know that's where they lost their points. So, uh, Chris, what did you think overall in terms of like you know, uh, aside from like individual performances, I guess, like what did you think of the overall gameplay? Uh, I think it was it was kind of scrappy. I mean, it, it, there was some really unbelievably beautiful football played, but it, it, I think it took a while for for Kira and and um, and the Ox to sort of get their groove. The second half they were much better, um, and and I think just sort of the shuffle in the back four I think caused a bit of sort of confusion, and and I think we were so high up the pitch. That we we were definitely susceptible to the break, and and Genk did a really good job of of catching on to sort of a cold partnership in midfield, um, and, and they did a really good job. And then when we sort of changed things up a little bit in the second half, uh, we started to get on top of them and 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 really sort of start to spread them out and 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 start to make those holes where we could get in there, and and just some of the goals were just unbelievable. I think I mean, when I saw the lineup and you saw like Keita and Ox in midfield, it's almost like, oh my God, here we go kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like something. I mean, I, for me, at least, is players I want to see play uh, as the attacking midfielder, but I was concerned immediately when both of them were on at the same time and kind of like saw why. I think all these people that are constantly rooting for, you know, both of them to be on there, I think, you know, this game was a good indication of why you don't want them both on at the same time because we did suffer uh, defensively. But, you know, aside from his pass on the back, like little flicks and stuff like that, I mean, Keita obviously shows 
a lot of like skill on the ball and i think he's probably like one of our better passers in between the lines especially like from midfield um out of the two which one were you more impressed with jamie ox i mean obviously ox have the goals but overall gameplay wise in terms of like a performance off of a midfielder i was very impressed with ox um but i i was um to be honest i, I wasn't expecting so much from ox as i was probably from Naby. Um, and like I, I said earlier, his his back pass from from the get-go kind of just warmed him up to me and just opened my eyes again as to the player we we have on our hands. Um, I'd say I'd say Naby impressed me more um, just because he he seemed to be everywhere. Uh, his passing, he, he had the most passes, he had the most, he had the most everything. Uh, one of the stats I was reading, he, yeah. he, he was all over the place. Um, it was great to see Ox play in between the lines and everything Ox done was was uh, speed-based. It was it, quickness of touch. His first goal, um, as much as I love his second goal, I thought his first goal was indicative of how he wants to play. He just was in between those lines. He took one touch and that opened it up. He could have he could have passed it off and 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 instead he took the shot on. And you know, we seen him warm up with a few shots against United. Um but uh just a, a great performance by the both of them. It, it, it's hard to split hairs here, but I I'd possibly give Naby the plaudits. Um, because Ox is going to get them anyway for the two goals, you know. I think that's is he brings something totally different in terms of his like you know he looks to shoot from outside the box. I mean I don't know and um, we don't know if that's something like Jurgen is after or not. But you know let's face it, any of other players, I mean you can't name a lot of players who would just grab the ball and take a shot there. Most of them, even you know Mane, Firmino, Salah, they're going to probably first look for a give and go or something like that before you know taking that shot uh so chris what did you think like who impressed you more again it's a tough one i mean i've had the injury that that alex actually chamberlain had chamberlain had uh, i know what it is to recover from that and i know how hard uh, to come back and try and play football um, same here mate you're, I, I, you're a different player aren't you it's... yeah i mean it's you know i've had some some dodgy dodgy injuries over the years do you know what i mean and and i went from a sort of 18 19 year old sub 11 second 100 meter runner to you know a 21 year old um lucky if i could run 100 meters you know <laughs> so it, it, it kind of yeah it, it had that kind of effect on me so uh, i understand that and and i know that they're getting the best treatment possible uh, all the best operations and all that kind of stuff so um and their re rehabilitation and everything is 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 a million times better than the stuff i had so uh, obviously you know it's it, they're going to do a good job but uh, you know, looking at, at Ox, it was it was Ox for me in the first half. They give the ball away a bit too much. Um, just when he was driving forward, it was just some silly little passes, a little bit of miscommunication between him and Milner uh, on that side. You know, Milner's fresh, sort of playing that right back role. He, they're more used to having him on the left side. You know, most of the time, uh, even in midfield. So it was you know for me, Naby, the the stats that Jimmy was talking about there. Uh, most ball recoveries, 12. Most tackles, 4 from 4. Most dribbles, 3 out of 4. 
Uh, most final third passes, uh, 29. And most passes completed, 108. And 108 passes, he's the first uh, player, uh, away player in the Champions League this season to have over 100 passes in the game. So you have to think some of the players that are out there playing for like Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juve, you know, uh, it says a lot of, about the performance. It wasn't perfect and and, and Tim talked about the uh, the defensive side of things. But um, I, I think eventually he'll he'll get into the groove and he'll start to get that understanding with Mane and with, with Robertson. Um, I think he already kind of has an understanding with Mane. Uh, I think it's Robbo he needs to work on the communication with and, and they'll get that eventually and when they do, it's going to be unbelievable. So let me ask you guys this. I mean, obviously, you know, based on the opponent, this might change. But uh, hoping that, you know, within a couple more months uh, with more playing time and, you know, like more practice time, both these guys will be more in form and like in shape and stuff like that. I think we can all agree that Fab has, you know, his position guaranteed over there as the middle in the, of, the, of the, you know, the spine of the team. And 100%. he's going to be the defensive midfielder and he cannot be replaced. So let's start with you this time, Chris. Yeah. Who are the other two you put in that midfield as your ideal lineup in a must-game win? And I know, you know, like it's going to depend on, I mean, if you're playing Newcastle at home uh, compared to, you know, like City or something like that. But in your mind, when you're doing like an ideal lineup, who's the other two you're picking to put on the midfield? Um, interestingly enough, I'm a huge fan of Genie Wijnaldum. Uh, I, you know, from the minute we signed him and the minute we, we I heard we were banning him, um, I, I have a, a couple of friends that I, I used to do a podcast with, uh, Liverpool fans, uh, the two Dans, uh, shout out to those boys. They um, they were very unsure about Genie Wijnaldum. And I, they're kind of eating their words now. They're, they're, they're on the train. But yeah, Genie's always in that midfield for me. Uh, if we're talking everybody fit and in form, Genie's in that midfield. Uh, and Naby. I think a fit, in form Naby Keita and Genie Wijnaldum is ridiculous with Fabinho in the midfield. And then when you have the alternatives of, you know, the Ox to be able to come in for either Genie or Naby, you know, you, you're looking at something ridiculous there. And then let's not forget Hendo. You know, he, he's been a new player in this this more advanced position. So I think every everybody in form, it's hard to pick it out, but I think Genie Nabi combination with Fabinho uh, for me is just ridiculous because the interplay, Genie just the way he can hold on to the ball is ridiculous. Like there's I for me, he's probably one of the best people achieving the ball in the game. Unbelievable. Uh, and the the interactions that he has with Bobby and with Mane. Uh, and even with Robbo as well, when he likes to drop deep, yeah, for me it's it's Genie, and Navi's going to find that as well, and it's going to be unbelievable when they get together. Who do you have, Jamie? Do you agree, or are you replacing one of those guys, or both? Um, of them? Yeah, I think um, Chris done a good job there at uh, picking the words right out of my mouth. He's he's really nailed it on the head there. I think Genie is fantastic. I mean. You take a look at him for, for the Dutch side and he plays in that bit more advanced role and he's given the freedom. Um, really calm and composed on the ball. But I, as much as I, I do agree with Chris in that, um, you know, Naby gets a shout, Fabinho's a dead cert um, and, and Genie. 
uh, a word has to go to Ox. Um, obviously, yeah. obviously he's coming back after a, a, a long spell out o- over a year. Um, and, you know, the, the midfield of last night, I, I seen it, the term was coined the, the KFC midfield. Keita, <laughs> uh, um, Fabinho, Chamberlain. But, um, yeah, uh, Chris touched on it as well. Hendo's got a part to play. And I'm sure we'll get talking about the Tottenham game. So it's all about who we're playing and how they set up. Tottenham will, will more than likely play the 3-5-2. So we'll probably will see the two holding midfielders, i.e. Fabinho and Hendo. But, um, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, everybody was crying out for a creative midfielder. And where where is this creativity from midfield coming? Where are these goals from midfield coming? And last night... You know, we had two of them on the pitch and obviously it lacked a little bit in, in, in the defensive qualities that we see from Genie and Hendo and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I just want to dug out a few mad stats. Um, wait to hear this one. So this one got posted by Carragher's Bar in New York. So I, I haven't fact-checked it because it's so mental. I almost feel like I need to fact-check it. <laughs> Should it to Brian McLaughlin for some madness? Hi, <laughs> uh, yeah. Six hundred and four matches since we've had two goals from outside of the eighteen yard box. What? Six hundred and four matches. What was the last game? Six hundred four matches ago. Jesus Christ! I don't know. <laughs> Come on, um, Jimmy. That's what I said. I didn't fact check it because it's so mental. I can't even wrap my my head around it. But uh, whether that's true or not, Jesus Christ, if it is, that's madness, you know? But, um, yeah, the KFC midfield didn't do too bad last night, oh. yeah, creativity-wise. So that just a bit goal. more defensive. Jesus Christ, that second goal with the outside of the foot. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. That was just pure filth. It, it was it was pure filth. I mean, what do you, I mean even trying that, and, I mean, it just landed. I mean, could it be... Could have landed any more perfect too, and the spot it did. I mean, there's nothing you can do to save that. Just the way it went there. But, but to okay, be fair, that, that was the only way he was going to get to it. You know, the, yeah. the defender was right there on his heels. So it's something that you would try in the training ground, and you know, the training stops at that point, and everybody gives yeah. you a pat in the back. But to do it on the big stage, yeah. Jesus, madness. Well, here's, here's the thing that. The difference it makes to take that with the outside of the right boot than to take the extra step and hit it with the left, it gives the defender the extra step to get in and block that path to the top corner. So if he takes that with his left foot, there's a good chance the defender gets the extra step and gets his foot in the way. But because he decided to go with the outside of the foot, he catches the defender, the gap's there, and he can put it in the top corner. And the ball from Bobby was absolutely perfectly weighted for him to do it. Yeah, you know, and, Bobby and Firmino. Oh my god! Off guard too. Yeah, I mean the keeper for the first goal. I don't know what the hell he was doing. I he mean, was waiting for it to go wide. I, he was, I don't. He was. I mean, he's twenty years old. He's their second string goalkeeper. Their first string goalkeeper there got injured at the start of the season, snapped his Achilles or something. Ouch. Um. So yeah, he's only twenty years old. So you know, give him a break. Maybe for a while. Maybe not. I don't know. You're playing the Champions League. Sort your shit out. Yeah, he was um, way out of position on that one, definitely. Yeah, he, he he was shaky, you know. But uh, yeah, that that was just oh, unbelievable. 
But let's go back to KFC. Aside from making me hungry and probably calories. <laughs> um, hey, it's finger licking good, lads. <laughs> that's not what my doctor says. But um, <laughs> so here's a question. That's not what you want to hear your doctor say. <laughs> no, I, I don't think he would recommend me eating KFC. Um, but would you guys find any fixture where you would play, where you would start that midfield in the Premier League? Yes. Give me one. Uh, I would start it against a, a boss team. So a team like a team that's going to sit back and and a couple of rows of uh, a bank of defenders, like a, the likes of a Burnley. I was going to say uh, Burnley too, yeah. That, that kind of sort of team that we're, we're, we need players like Ox to drive um, and, and create gaps. And the same with Keita. Keita's unbelievable at driving forward, you know. Um, so they would be the type of players that would be perfect for that because they would just drag defenders all over the place. And when you've got Mo, uh, Bobby dropping deep and pulling defenders out, it creates those gaps for those guys to run into. Uh, as noticed last night with Genk, um, it kind of did that. Bobby pulled out, dropped it off to Salah, Salah to Mane, Mane chips the keeper, it's a goal. Um, so I think, yeah, they're the sort of teams that we'll, we'll probably do that against. I was mainly concerned, and I guess this kind of like brings us to the defense overall. I would be just mainly concerned about, you know, how much possession we're going to have in midfield. We're going to be able to recover the ball back, even against a team like Burnley. I think one of those guys should be in there to open up defenses. You know, Ox with his, you know, shooting from outside and, you know, with Naby with his, you know, like, either like taking people on the dribble or he's very good at like passing between lines and stuff. But... I was mainly, I would be mainly concerned about, you know, being so open to the counter. And that was probably the confusing thing about watching that game is, you know, were we so susceptible to the counters because of the defensive line we had? Or was it the midfield we had and not aiding as much? Because I know um, Van Dijk was going nuts on people in terms of like tracking their people back and like leaving openings, giving them too much time to play that long ball and stuff like that. But I mean, I know we didn't have Trent, and then after a while, we didn't have, you know, we took, we had to take Rob Robo out, and kudos to Milner, by the way, the guy can play freaking every oh, goddamn God. spot on the Guy's a machine. Uh, but where do you guys put, I mean, is it the makeshift line that constantly kept changing that made that defense look bad, or was it really caused by midfield not tracking back or giving people too much time to be able to play those long balls in the first place? I think it was a combination of um an absolute monster of a center forward um in that guy and anuchua is it six, anuchua? Six, seven, he was I. Six, he was a big he was a big peter crouch he is crouch size his, yeah. he, his his feet were unbelievable yeah he was so quick with his feet um he really put van dyke under pressure um he did a really good job he he's definitely a player to watch um i wouldn't mind a wee bid for him in january maybe <laughs> you think a big monster like that in the Premier League doing a crouchy coming off the bench? Oh hell yes, I'm about it. All right, um, absolutely. And and the fact that he was able to put um, Virgil under pressure, um, I think a lot of that came with with Lovren. Lovren's positioning was absolutely atrocious um, last night, and I think the makeshift thing with sort of Milner pushing so high and Robbo pushing high and every like, I think for the first 25 minutes. Virgil was in their half, you know, and it was kind of like... Had okay. a couple of shots last night, didn't he? Yeah, he, I was thinking, oh, the big man's going to get one. 
But uh, no, I think there was a lot of balls given away in the midfield to lie on that break and that big man, you know, using his physicality against, you know, smaller guys, which is a weird thing to say about Virgil van Dijk, you know, that a, a centre forward would be bigger than him, you know, and be able to be, you know, more physical. But uh, he did a really good job. Um, the other guy, um, what was it? I can't even remember his name. The guy that scored the header. Uh, that was disallowed. He had a great game as well. Um, he was really good in midfield for Genk. Um, felt bad for Ito and his big his big forehead fringe with yeah. uh, the offside. But um, yeah, I, I think just with rustiness and everything else, giving the ball away in midfield and playing that high line and and the physicality, we we were very susceptible to that break. And Genk Genk did a really good job. Um, and they had some chances that they really should have put away that Ito one where he slipped. Um, they got so unlucky with the, the disallowed goal um, and, and that was a ridiculous ball too people complaining that Milner was was fouled no way that was a wonderful header no he win, He wins that totally beautifully beautifully timed so um, fair play to Genk um, I can see why they give Napoli a run and um, yeah uh, uh, it'll be a different story at Anfield uh, I think we'll be sort of a bit more uh, I think Oxen and Naby have done enough to get the start next week, you know. So I hope they do, and hopefully Big Jules back for that one, and Trent, and, and we're a bit more solid at the back, uh, and we can go about our business properly. Yeah, I think, I mean, these two gank games are like games that we got to get the six points out of, and that was kind of like the key part is going over there, getting the three points. I mean, my goal is uh, hoping that, you know, the last game of this group doesn't have a lot of meaning, so we don't have yeah. to... You know, use as many starters and stuff like that if we don't have to. Um, any other takeaways from the game, Jamie? Uh, before we move on to Tottenham, uh, just a, a few little things. You know, we we've um, we just seem to be cranking out uh, historical markers and and landmarks. Like uh, we've we've just become the fourth team in England. Obviously, nobody wants to be the fourth team in England. But uh, we've we've just become the fourth team in England to get 200 Champions League goals, um, which is always nice. Um, but that's that's 25 out of our last 30 games in all competitions that we've won. We've only drawn three and lost two in the last 30. Um, so it's it's we're just cranking out uh, records. And another one there is uh, Bobby. Since oh, the seven, oh. since seventeen eighteen Champions League, Bobby's now become the most assists in all of the Champions League with eleven. Um, and Gary Lineker had a wee uh, dig at him in the post-match uh, <laughs> analysis. He said, "Yeah, I, but Bobby, but he didn't have a shot on goal." <laughs> and yeah. that's just typical Gary Lineker being a, a striker, you know. Yeah. Um, Bobby's a different kettle of fish. He doesn't need to shoot he doesn't need i don't know he just wakes up uh does his hair and oozes <laughs> class you know yeah. what i mean he, he he's just fantastic um but other than that i mean we're we're just uh cranking out records at this stage and obviously you know we we can get carried away or we can come back down to earth against tottenham but uh it's just great isn't it it's hard to beat it is. I mean, Bobby is, I think, key to that trio at all times. And we kind of saw that when he missed some games last year. And the, the biggest trick is, you know, we really 
because of the type of player he is and what he does, he's kind of even like hard to describe what his position is and what he does and what he brings. Therefore, he's almost impossible to duplicate. Uh, so finding somebody from the team or even from outside, I mean, I can't name a lot of players that can do what Bobby can do, which makes him so unique. And much, much the way uh, the Kante role got coined last year, you know, uh, like a Claude Makaleli type role it used to be. It's now, well, you know, Bobby Firmino, it's, it's called the Bobby Firmino role. Yeah. Uh, you, you, uh, it's it's been coined that way for a reason because there is nobody else that plays like him. I mean, it's it's he's got hints of fat Ronaldo. He's got hints of Ronaldinho. He's got he he seems to be an amalgamation of like ten absolute beast mode players. He that that's just Bobby. You know what I mean? We we have him. He <laughs> he's our number nine. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he's ridiculous. I think here's the thing, and and we we all wax lyrical about Bobby. You know, Liverpool fans all wax lyrical about him, and, and listening to Rio Ferdinand and RVP and all those guys talk about him, and their reactions to it, that little Rabona flick oh. to Sadio, oh. the reaction of of Ferdinand, like this is on TV, they're doing a professional job. And usually they're like, oh, that was really good. That was, oh, the, they were reacting like us. It was like, oh, my they're God. That's ridiculous. The they're drooling. Yeah. Here's the thing. For me, Bobby Firmino is the most underrated player in world football. Because what he does for our team, uh, as Tim said it, it, you can't replicate it. There's nobody else can do it. Like he's like you said, he's not amalgamation of all these players. He very much reminds me of Dennis Bergkamp, but with the work ethic of Dirk Kuyt. And what I mean by yeah. that, what I mean by that is he's always tracking back. He's always in his own half looking for the ball. But when he does those flicks and those tricks, there's always an end product. You'd never see him do it and then give the ball away. It's only when there's an opportune chance that nobody else is ever going to think about, pop, and he pops it in. And the thing is, he does. <clears throat> Jurgen Klopp understands him as a, as a player and has got. <clears throat> Mo Salah and Sadio Mane as the perfect, when you look at our spine, it's kind of like Bobby is sort of like just the, the neck part of the spine and Sadio and and Mo are the arms. So he kind of retracts and the arms come up and they come in around and in the same way he comes forward and the arms go out wide. In one big you know, clap hug. Yeah, you know, but even when he pulls off to the side, they come they come across. So when he's sort of pulling out to the right, Mo is moving forward to the left, more central, and Sadio is coming a bit more into the 10 role. So all these little interactions, he's starting all that by pulling the players across and pulling the players out and letting Mo and, and Sadio run into those little gaps. Just how he creates those gaps, it's unbelievable. There's not a, another player like him, and he doesn't get the job in Brazil. Jesus gets a, gets the nod over him because the Brazilian manager doesn't understand how to play him because he hasn't got those Brazilian wingers that can play like Mo and Sadio. Yeah. You know? So it, it's... Yeah, man. I, I could just go on about Bobby all night. Bobby, for me, you know, has very quickly become my favourite Liverpool player ever because he's just mad. He is. A, follow him on Instagram. He's a madman. He is. He's an absolute he madman. I love him. <laughs> I love Madman, and he's properly eccentric. All his tattoos, everything, him and the wife, 
so devoted to the wife and everything else. But his Instagram was nothing but him partying. And usually partying with his dad. Yeah. Just pounding champagne and just partying like a madman. I, I, I love the guy. Uh, and he's just, and he plays football like that. Like he just doesn't give a fuck. And just a quick word on the third goal, because the third goal involved the front three. Yeah. But that third goal doesn't happen without Genie. Genie one album comes oh. in just two minutes before that, maybe maybe a couple more. But he instigates that move. Yeah. And he even busts a gut to get in there and be at the top of the key, the top of the box, to be waiting for any afters. But um the front three goal last night, the third goal. Oh, can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Unreal. So fluid, and, you know? And when is the media going to give up on this whole Mane and Salah thing? I know they keep <laughs> trying. And it's like, how many more assists do they have to give each other before it's kind of like put to bed? I think every single broadcast of Liverpool I watched, it's always come up at least twice a game somehow. Uh, anytime like one of their names is mentioned, how many more assists do they have to give each other before it's put to bed? I think they should come up with a celebration. If uh, if Mo, the next time uh, Mo assists Sadio for a goal, they run into the corner, and uh, and Sadio swings a punch. <laughs> <laughs> like. Uh... I'd, I'd like to see like a Jimmy Bullard where he sits them all down <laughs> and starts scolding them and waving yeah. the finger. <laughs> so let's move on to the weekend. Um, uh, so that was kind of like the disappointing. I really wanted Tottenham to suffer and struggle a bit more in their Champions League game, but that was kind of like a ended up kind of like being an easy ordeal for him at the end of the day. Um, so, what do you guys think? Obviously, we're not doing the KFC action midfield. Uh, so, are we in agreement that we're probably back to our uh, regular, maybe not as exciting, but a lot more sturdy midfield of Fab, Genie, and Hendo? Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Because yeah. you know Tottenham are going to set up with the 3-5-2 as they're used to. Yeah, most, most likely I would say so. Um I think it'll be very much the, the same team that started the Champions League final. Except for our Loris. Our, our oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you just reminded me of that. Ow. That's oh, a terrible looking injury, wasn't it? Yeah. Fold it like a deck chair. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was harsh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, what are, what are you guys looking to, obviously, I mean, which you never know in the Premier League. I did not think uh, City would lose points two weeks ago when they played the Wolves, and I was kind of hopeful last week when they played Pals. So, having those totally flip-flops, uh, we probably don't expect too much from uh, Villa in terms of putting up a fight, right? I don't know. Villa are on a bit of a run. Uh, Matty Target scoring me a, a bucket of points from a fantasy league team. <laughs> Good man. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Phil Phil are one, one of those teams. sides this year yeah. that 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 can pull off a result. I think yeah. uh, we play them. We play them soon enough. We play them after uh, Arsenal in the cup. Yes. So, so who knows? Hopefully, they get a result against City and then they lose all that momentum and we play them. <laughs> 
and that's the thing. I think the, my only hope was the fact that it's the early game. So I know, you know, with kind of like messes with the players' minds in terms of like, you know, being warmed up to the action and being ready for the game and stuff. Let's hope Villa reacts better than City does and they can kind of do us a favor. But let's focus on Sunday, the job we have on hand. Um, Chris, we'll start with you. I mean, what do you expect out of the game? Uh, I mean, we kind of pretty much have the lineup set up, right? I mean, if we agree on midfield, uh, if Trent is obviously good, Trent and Robo are going to take their places, and hopefully Matip will be back in there as well. Uh, so not much to discuss in terms of probably lineup, assuming everyone is healthy and good to go. Uh, what do you expect out of the game and the score, I guess? I think we go at them hard early. Uh, they're there for the taking. Um, the last uh, couple of games they've played, I've been watching, and they have been atrocious. Uh, they, they, their back four or back three, whatever they're playing, just really isn't clicking. Pochettino is clearly not happy there. There's dissent in the in the camp um, somewhere, uh, and it all I think stems from the manager. So. Uh, yeah, I really don't see them. I think they'll maybe be up for it because it's us. You know, it's a big game. But I think we'll get in their face early, force them into mistakes, and they have mistakes in them because they've shown it. Uh, was it Norwich? Um, they won the they won the game, but I mean, a couple of games that they've won, they've just they've been given away chances left, right, and center. And a team like like ours with Mo, Mo Sadio and uh, and Bobby in there will absolutely destroy them. Uh, we play very well against back three teams uh, because we get a chance to pull them out of, out of shape uh, and we can push them back with our fullbacks. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I, I think it's an, a, an easy job, maybe a 3-1, maybe a 4-1. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not really that worried about it, honestly. I think, well, you know um, me, I worry I worry as a lifestyle, so I'm always worried. <laughs> but, uh, Jamie, what, do you have? what are your thoughts on the game? Like you said, the starting 11 at this stage is a dead cert. Um, it's, it's all about who we've got on the sub bench to come on and affect the game if needs be. Um, obviously, Ox and Naby have staked their claim for uh, first, first sub, but... Um, like like you and Chris were saying, it, it's uh, typical Spurs for them to pick up some form in Europe just before they play us. Um, and like Chris said, it, it all stems from from Pochettino and possibly Ericsson, the the want away uh, creative star that they've got. Um, but uh, you know they'll they'll be looking for for retribution. Um, but they're coming to Anfield. That's that's the be all and end all right there. They're they're coming to us, hat in hand, looking for retribution, and we're just going to turn the screw and, and put them to the sword. I think um, they're obviously missing their goalkeeper, like we touched on, uh, playing three at the back, which kind of plays into our hands. Um, I just don't see. Uh, I mean, I I was wrong against United. I I figured we'd get a win, but um, I, you know we can. We can do it easily. I think I'm more confident because it's a home game and we play a totally different game at home. We just totally have a totally different vibe, uh, I feel like, when we play at Anfield. And 
Tottenham is not as much of a rivalry and doesn't, you know, when you play against a team like United or even Everton, the rivalry kind of like throws away the, you know, you don't look at the form as much. You don't look at, you know, those things as much. Whereas I don't feel like we have that with Spurs. I know we've been in the Champions League final and everything like that, but I feel like it's more like a tough opponent coming to Anfield as opposed to, you know, United or Everton coming to Anfield. I mean, do you, would you guys agree in terms of like the vibe that we have as fans, as well as you know, overall the fixture is when you look at Premier League as a whole? I think they'd like to call us their their rivals or their, um, you know, cause an upset against a, a, a another so called big six team. But the reality is they're. They're ben- they're they're not. I'm not going to say they're beneath us, but they're they're striving to bite at our ankles. You know, um, they had that one season where they bought like eleven players and it it lost Bale, but uh, you know, they've got talent in their squad. That's that's not up for debate, but um, they just haven't got the the flow and and they're they're a club in turmoil, really, with with this whole Pochettino nonsense. You know. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a bit of a whinge bag, um, <laughs> you know. I, I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, it's kind of, it's almost like the the Benidia is a Newcastle thing, only on a grander scale, um, you know, on a bigger budget. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can understand his complaints, but to do it so publicly like that, it can't be good for morale. You know, it can't be good for morale in the club if they see that he's unhappy and he's coming into training and he's unhappy. He can't be given 100% of those guys in that, that state of mind. I know when I'm not happy, I don't do my best work, you know, and, and, and I think with a lot of footballers as well, some guys like to be angry, but I mean, for a lot of guys, they have to be in a great frame of mind. And I think, it again, it stems down from the manager. If he seemed to be publicly complaining and there's little backdoor dealings going on between the coaches and all that kind of stuff um, and players you know, that listening to him or, or wanting out of the club because they're not happy there. Yeah, that can't be good, you know, and, and it's not going to be good for a club that size, especially coming to a place like Anfield that I think has is more together now than it has been in, in, since I can remember. You know, it just seems to be everything is together right now. Um, and again, that, that comes from Klopp. You know, he's just created this. He... He, he said back at the start, come back on to the cliches, believe, you know, believe me, give me the opportunity, we'll do this. We're doing it. We're fucking doing it. We certainly are. You know what I mean? And and it is, everything's together. Like, it, even in the close season there, the, the one thing I used to see was just fans arguing online about everything. They could find that something to argue about. They'll argue about it. There's nothing to argue about anymore. The only argument that I have seen was who was it mentioned it the other day? Was it you, Jimmy? Or was it Cozzy? Somebody mentioned it. The only argument we've had is that uh, Joel Matip isn't rated high enough. Ah, uh, that was Cozzy. FIFA. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just tells you where we are as a club uh, and where we stand. I mean, Anfield is the fortress it used to be again. You know, the the cop is once again uh, on the pinnacle of, of the fan base of the world. You know, um, just the atmospheres inside Anfield have just been, you know, after a couple, you know, four or five years ago, six years ago, you know, there was complaints under Brendan Rodgers that the atmosphere wasn't great. Um, that's completely changed, you know, and we don't have to put adverts online for, you know, 
social media influencers <laughs> and stuff. And then we don't have to retract the statement or say that, oh, we had absolutely nothing to do with that. <laughs> sure you didn't. Hey, all right. You know what I mean? Mattress firm. Oh, <laughs> I think it's like the biggest, you know, that shows kind of like the contrast between, you know, us and Spurs is like you have more of that unity in the locker room. And I mean, whether I'm sure there's like things going on that we won't know, but you can tell, you know, everything is under the control of club and you know who the boss is and everything like that. And you don't really get that in Spurs. And I kind of blame, I mean, this whole Ericsson thing, I mean, to me, it's very similar to the Coutinho thing. And yeah. once you know something is getting toxic, it's good or bad. It, I mean, we basically said, okay, you know what? Made the most of it, got our money's worth for it, and moved them on. Instead of, I mean, what are they really getting out of Ericsson right now instead of more drama? I mean, you were talking about, you know, I mean, Pochettino can come to practice hopping and skipping and laughing. The moment yeah. you turn around and you pass the ball to Ericsson, you're just going to realize the, the drama that happens behind the scenes, apart from all the other, like, rumors that go with that club. But I think they just mishandled that so poorly. It kind of shows how something like that can kind of snowball and maybe like start other things and just cause total chaos, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I, like I'm, I'm by no means am I trying to throw a whole nation under the bus here. But the Portuguese, we, we've had, you know, Mourinho, <laughs> you just Mourinho. Did, okay. I, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but here I go. um you know Mourinho was a famous uh moaner and look I come from Ireland it's been said (laughs) many a times about the Irish we're 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 only happy when we've got a cup of tea in our hands and we can have a a good old moan and a good old (laughs) grief and and the same goes with the English but Maybe it's part of the the whole underdog mentality that comes with uh, a a smaller European nation, and maybe maybe that's his style. I don't know. Behind the scenes, he he might be a, a joy to be on the training ground, but at the moment he seems like um, he's not happy where he is, and obviously that's got all sorts of things to do with the board and uh, was it Daniel Levy? Yeah, and you know the whole way the clubs run right now. Um, hopefully, we can take advantage of that because we're on cloud nine right now, and they're 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 coveting what what we have, and everybody is, and everybody should be because, like I said, we're on cloud nine, and and if all we have is Joel Matip and FIFA ratings to be worried about, then. Sure, we, let's have a, a a pod where we can just argue about uh, <laughs> FIFA ratings. <laughs> oh, can we just can we just touch on the uh, the Ballon d'Or list? Go uh, ahead. Se- seven players: uh, Allison, Virgil, Trent, um, Genie, Wijnaldum. Get in there, Genie. Uh, Sadio uh, and Mo. And uh, it, it's it's ridiculous. And what Klopp said was even better. It was box office. He said, uh, yeah. "What about the rest of the team?" <laughs> I'm interested yeah, I mean, to see really, who's not on the list. Make a case for some of those guys that are not included, which shows, you know, what a you know what a year they've had, really. Yeah. Like the reporter said to James Milner there the other night, she said, uh, "Are you angry that you're not involved?" <laughs> and he just had to <laughs> laugh because Milner is one of the most um, subtly. You know the the boring Milner. You know he, he uh, by all means he he deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah, you know he's he's fantastic. 
He's a skeleton key. He is. You know, you could just drop him in anywhere. I, I reckon you could stick him at centre half and he'd probably do a half decent job. More you than know? likely. Better uh, than bloody Lovren. Oh, man. Don't, you know what? I, I was coming on tonight and I thought, I'm going to get into him. I'm going to destroy the guy. I'm not even going to give him a time anymore. That's it. I'm done. I'm I'll say one me- thing. I'm I mean, not even going to mention his name. One last minute of the bloody game. What the hell is he trying to do? Like, maybe he's seen Mo Salah's goal holding off that defender and mm-hmm. Lovren said, Mo's my mate. Maybe I can do a bit of the same. Jesus, Lovren, just put your butt through it and put it into Rose Z. Knock somebody out on, on the first row. I don't care. Just get rid of the ball. Dejan fucking Voldemort. He's who shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I mean obviously it's like a brother and the guy played a good game overall, but that's the problem that he has that mistake in him. And I mean I don't put as much weight on that error. I know what you're saying, just clear it and stuff like that. But I think you know when you're winning that easily and it almost turned into like a almost like a practice, like a seven on seven session at the end. And I think, you know, that kind of like lowers your focus and concentration and stuff like that. So I'll let him get away with that. And I feel, you know, if that if Lauren is your fourth center back, I think you're a pretty darn good squad. Because I know as much as we criticize him, I mean, I, you know, I don't think we can find someone better than Lauren to come and accept being our fourth I can't. I can't. I can name about 105. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm 97 on that list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you have me on that list, I don't know. I mean, to be our force, I mean, coming into that position, let's face it, Lauren would probably start in most Premier League starts. Can we at least agree on that? Oh, well, he's better than, than, than Diop at West Ham. I could say that. Speaking of centre-backs, did anybody see the Harry Maguire thing today? Was it today they played? Uh, uh, yeah, today, where his he forehead does not captain. Way. His forehead was in the way. <laughs> so he was given the captain role, and he forgot about the coin toss. <laughs> yeah, he was just, like, passing around in the background while they're waiting for him. They're like, who the hell is the captain? I was just looking at the video earlier. It's, yeah. It's comical. It's just kind of like makes me slightly angry, though, that we could not pull off the win over there and just did a good performance and set my brother up, uh, who's a United fan, uh, which would be the ultimate uh, prize for me. But um, yeah, I, I believe there's what I believe there's tablets you can get for that these days to clear that nasty affliction right up. <laughs> <Is it arsenic>? <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, we had a 3-1 or a 4-1 from Chris. Jamie, did you make a final uh, score prediction? <sighs> Tottenham at Anfield. Uh, we'll go 2-0. Why not? We'll, we'll relive a bit of the past here. We'll have a 2-0. I'll go with my ever-so-worrying 2-1 victory where I will never be able to breathe properly until the final whistle. But I feel like it will be... I feel like we will get this win at home and... Uh, keep rolling, and maybe, yeah, maybe you guys are right. Maybe Villa will make us a pleasant surprise. I'm going to uh, get any specific. Parting, any parting thoughts, gentlemen? I'm going to get specific. Every week, I'm going to predict that Fabinho scores an absolute belter from 35 yards in the, <laughs> in the, in the 19th minute. Un, until it happens. Yes. <laughs> and, then I, and then I can go back and I can delete all the previous podcasts 
and delete the bit where I, I, I said the prediction and then <laughs> upload them all again and just the one where I got the prediction the week before and everybody will think I'm an absolute genius. If Kazi uh, was here, instead of being at the game this weekend, uh, he'd probably predict like a... I know, what a loser. Last minute. <laughs> what a loser going to a football match instead of doing the podcast with the boys. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, uh, thank you for that, uh, joining me, and then let's hope for uh, a pleasant, fun conversation early in the week again after this Tottenham win. Uh, thank you for listening to American Scouser Podcast. Uh, definitely follow our page on Facebook, uh, join our group, get in the discussion, and hey, let us know what you think of our podcast, of our sites, and how we can improve things. We're here for you guys. So, uh, up the Reds, let's get these three points. Up a fucking ridge. Let's go, LFC fam.